it is my privilege and honor really today to kick off our brand new series titled About Face. And uh, it just so happened the way it fell that, you know, kicking the series off today uh, on the same day, same day that we honored our graduates, uh, Pastor Jeff saw it fitting uh, for me to share a message with you titled Facing the Future, Facing the Future. And while this message, you know, in part is geared primarily towards uh, graduates and those who are transitioning into uh, their respective careers, uh, those who are furthering their education, and for those who are taking some time off on mom's couch. Parents, you, you, no amen right there, right? Uh, but I also don't want anyone to tune me out. I don't want anyone to say, well, this is just a graduate talk. That is not what this is. You see, I know today that it's important, regardless of what season you're in, that we are postured properly as we face the future. Because how many of you know transitions are always coming around the corner? There's always a transition. And Pastor Jeff has this teaching, and I love it. It's about transitions, and it's three simple points. Uh, if you planned on preaching it soon, Pastor, I apologize. Uh, but he says that with every transition, there comes new responsibility, there comes new um, opportunities, and there's also new vulnerabilities that come with every transition. And if I could just give one thought of advice to anyone, to any graduate, to any young person here today, is this. You ready? Here it is. Life is challenging. If you've lived long enough, you would give me a better amen than that. I'm going to say it one more time. Life is challenging. You know, there's so, in, in fact, I would venture to say that every season of life comes with new challenges, new opportunities, but definitely new challenges. Ministry, for example, is very challenging. I'm going to tell you right now, ministry is tough. For 13, 12, 13 years, I traveled full-time uh, as an artist and as an evangelist. And let me just tell you, I have stories on top of stories I could share with you. I remember one time I was doing an outreach, and it was, it was in New Orleans. It was kind of hot. I had on a tank top, and it was the altar ministry time. And we're just, you know, everyone's quiet. I said, you guys, just lift your hands. The Holy Spirit is here. Just, let's, let's just wait on him. And my hands are raised, and out of the blue, this kid yells out, I can see your armpit hair. It's like, okay, goodbye, Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming for a few moments. <laughs> Ministry's tough. I've been on stage before doing a song and literally ripped like my shorts right down the middle and didn't even know it until the end of the song. Can I tell you, it was a challenging situation. I'm going to tell you what else is challenging. Marriage is challenging. Don't amen too hard, brother. Come on, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> Marriage is challenging because the day that you say I do, you're saying that it's no longer about me. From now on, it's about us. Marriage is challenging. It, it requires intentionality. It requires patience. And it requires us putting the needs of our spouse before our own. Uh, can, can I go one more further? Parenting is challenging. Look, yeah, parenting is challenging. I remember a, a few years back when my daughter, she was, I can't, maybe four, maybe five years old. We're driving in the car, and she has her little notebook out, her journal. And she just, she's scribbling in her journal. And so my wife says, baby, what are you writing down? She says, oh, I'm just making a list of cuss words. Now, mind you, you know, the Bible says that to the pure, all things are pure, right? So her idea of a cuss word is like, you know, 
shut up or stupid, you know, and, and those aren't, you know, friendly words for sure. So I told my wife, like, she's probably just like writing them down so she knows not to use these particular words. I don't know. So, so my wife says, well, baby, like, like, why are you doing, why are you writing down bad words? Her response, oh, well, because when I'm a grown up, I want to be able to remember all of them so I can use them. <laughs> what do you say to that? Listen, parenting is challenging. I'm going to be honest with you guys today. There are moments when I look in the mirror and I see my humanity, man, and there are moments where I feel like, man, I just can't. I can't be the husband that my wife needs me to be. There are moments in ministry where I've looked at myself in the mirror and said, God, I don't know if I, if I can be the spiritual leader that everyone needs me to be. There have been times where I look at my children and I want the absolute best for them, and I look at myself and say, man, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can. I don't think I can be the father that they need me to be. Can I tell you today, everyone in this room, you came here with the list of I can'ts. Your I can'ts may look different than the next person's, but all of us carry around this list of I can'ts that we constantly look at and we allow to plague our thoughts and our minds. I can't make this business grow. For whatever reason, I just can't seem to make this marriage work. I've studied and studied so hard, but I can't seem to pass this test. Money is tight, so I just can't seem to pay my tithe and give my offering. I've tried over and over, but I can't seem to break this addiction. I can't seem to live up to their expectations for me. Listen, this journey called life is marked by moments of I can't and seasons of I can't. But I come to remind someone today what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Philippi. He said in chapter 4, verse 13 of Philippians that, baby, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who, and, and, and so listen, if I want to geek out, can I just geek out on you real quick? I did a, little, I, I did a really deep, in-depth uh, Bible study on this passage. I wanted to know exactly what he meant when he says that I can do all things. So I looked up the term, the phrase all things, and I, and, and I wanted to study it in the original language, in the Greek language. You want to know what all things means? All things. <laughs> it means all things. So in other words, there is no trial or tribulation that is too big for your God he says that you can do all things there is no mountain in your way there is no insecurity there is no fear your God can do all things his power at work in our lives allows us to do all things I can and really when you think about it the only difference between an I can't and an I can is just a T so I believe today as we face forward, we need to be properly postured. And the first step is to toss the T. Because the enemy says that you can't, but by the power of the living God, I declare over you today that you can. You can win. You can achieve. You can uh, go after those dreams. You can make a difference. You can impact your community, your school, your workplace. You can. So today, let's just look at these T's we need to drop. I got three T's for you. Right? I'm a youth pastor. I got to keep it very simple, all right? <laughs> the first T that we got to toss is this one. It is too tough. It's too tough. Yeah, I know that I'm supposed to be a shining, a shining my light in the workplace on the oil rig. 
I know that I should be shining forth the light of Jesus and being a witness at school, but man, it's just tough. Yeah, I know that Pastor Jeff tells me every week that I should be a bringer and be inviting people to church to hear the truth, but man, my popularity is on the line. And sometimes it's just tough. Can I remind you today, church, that deciding to follow Christ, although it was the greatest decision that you will ever make on this side of eternity, never once in scripture do we see Jesus telling us that this journey would be easy. In fact, he told his disciples on numerous, numerous occasions uh, to, to, to not be surprised whenever the world comes against you. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. Why? Because they hated him first. In the book of Matthew, Jesus even goes as far to remind us that the rain falls on the just as well as upon the unjust. But the question is, whenever we face these seasons of tough, how do we respond? How do we respond? Do we just react or do we respond? Paul tells Timothy in the second book bearing his name, chapter 12, I'm sorry, verse 12 in chapter 3. He says that anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble, and there's no getting around it. You know, this reminded me of a situation that transpired back in 2015. I was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, for many years I traveled as a hip-hop artist, and um, there's a great church up in Shreveport, a good friend of mine pastors it, and uh, their student pastor brought me in to do a, like a youth rally. And so earlier that day, he brought me into the school campus uh, to eat lunch with the kids, just hang out. We did a little little motivational thing. Um, so we're at, we're at the lunch table outside, and um, they find out that I'm a rapper. And, um, and so one of the kids apparently was a battle rapper, and he, like, tried to call me out, tried to test my gangster. I said, hold up, bro. <laughs> I said, don't let the skinny jeans fool you, baby. I will make it rain on you, son. <laughs> so his, his friend said, all right, he... he started dropping the beat and I just went off you know so we're just freestyle having fun having fun listen I've done this long enough to know that you know I can't talk about Jesus on the public school ground I can't proselytize and I, I know all of that okay so I kept it very you know just fun uh, casual fun so about mm, five weeks later a little over a month later I get a phone call from the youth pastor he, he, he sends me a link he says dude you got to go to this website and read this article I said, okay, bet. So I get online. Uh, can you guys pull this, this, this article up? So apparently there is a, this group of atheists, like a, I guess atheists have like a social network, I guess. <laughs> but um, someone found a video clip that one of the kids posted in the, in, in, the, uh, in the little cipher, and they put it up. And so this person wrote this, this, this uh, article. It says this. It says, Curvin Brewington is a proselytizing rapper who apparently doesn't want to wait for kids to come to him after school. So this guy went on public school grounds to rap about Jesus. And if Bird or Southwood High School allowed it, it's illegal. If he didn't get permission, then we have a stranger coming on district property during the school day, which is a whole different kind of problem. So, but look at the last line. It said this. Also, his rapping is really awful, which I'm sure constitutes another crime. <laughs> So I read this and I'm laughing. I mean, I'm just cracking up. I'm laughing because, listen, no, no, no. I showed up, shook hands with the principal. They did a background check. I had a sticker that said, hi, my name is Curvin Brewington. I was good. Wasn't worried about it. So I'm laughing over the situation. And as you notice, there's 59 comments. I begin scrolling through the comments. 
How many of you know that you can get in trouble sometimes scrolling through the comments? Because everyone has an opinion. I begin scrolling through these comments and I get to a point in this thread where there are some racial slurs that were thrown out. There are some very derogatory statements that were made. And by the time I read that last comment, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I was almost in tears. And in this moment, I felt so discouraged. Why? Because here I was trying to do the right thing, trying to share the love of God, trying to use my influence to impact young people. And yet here I was being called out, being shamed being humiliated in a public scenario. Come on, I, I just wonder today if there's anyone in this room who has ever been in a season where you felt like no matter how much you gave out, you, st you walked away with nothing in return. Listen, there are times, I want you to hear me today, there are times, some of you have been through seasons of, of tough where it was everything you could do to make the ends meet. Some of you have been through so much turmoil in your life and so much trauma in this journey that it's only a miracle that you're here today in your right mind. Listen, I want you to know today that, 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 that there's some of you, even right now, you're in the middle of a trial, a tribulation, and a tough season, even right now, and you didn't come here today to hear a cute song from the band. You didn't come here today to see your friends. I believe there's some of you, you came here today because you needed to hear a word from God, because without it, you feel like you can't make it another day. And baby, if you came here for a word, praise God, I got one for you. Here it is. Your God does not waste seasons, especially the tough ones. In fact, in fact, it's typically the tough seasons that produce the sweetest fruit in our lives. What does it say in the word of God in the book of James, chapter one, verse two and four? We're told to consider it pure joy. Not just like normal joy, but like pure joy, like, ha! there's a difference. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? It produces perseverance and that has got to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Look at me, your situation may be tough, your circumstance may seem impossible, but I've come to remind someone here today that you serve a God who literally dwells inside of the impossible. What man says there's no way out of, God will make a way. I'm here to tell you that there is no mountain too big for your God. I need someone in this place who is going through something right now to give him a shout of praise because he is strong regardless of what I'm facing. And also, the awesome thing about God is this, is that while he's fighting for you, he is simultaneously working something on the inside of you. He fights for you while fashioning something on the inside of you. Listen, there will always be a process before the promise. Don't get it confused. You cannot bypass the process. 
It's like the movie trailers before you go to see the, before you see the feature film that you paid your money to see. You cannot bypass the process. Well, I mean, look at, look in the word of God. Every great leader, every great man and woman of God in scripture went through a season of process before they walked into, into their purpose. Jacob had to work 14 years for his future father-in-law before he was given uh, his daughter's hand in marriage. The Israelites were freed out of Egyptian captivity, but wandered around the desert for 40 years before they crossed into the promised land. David was anointed king when he was just a boy, but didn't sit on a throne until he became a man. And if none of that convinces you of the process, let's look at Jesus. He lived 30 years in silence before he was launched into his three years of earthly ministry. Church, you need to hear me today. Graduate, you need to hear me today. God is not going to bless your hands with something that they're not strong enough to carry. And can I go further? Let me say this. And especially if your hands are still holding on to something that God told you to put down a long time ago. Come on, listen to me. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I know it's tough, but listen, tough is just a part of the test. And you serve a God that has already overcome the world. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, toss the T. It's too tough. Here's the second T. I love this one. I hear this one a lot these days. I'm too tired. I use that one too sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I'm too tired. Let me just say this. If another seventh or eighth grader comes up to me on Wednesday night and tells me, Pastor Kervin, I'm tired. You ain't got no job. You don't have children. Get out of my face. I feel better. I had to let that off. I'm too tired. I know it's Wednesday night and they had the exchange going on. I just got off work. I know I need to take my kids there, but man, I'm just tired. Man, I know that that exam is tomorrow and I've been out clubbing all weekend. I should have stayed home and studied, but man, I'm just tired. Can I tell you today that tired is just another word for apathy. Apathy. Here's what apathy is defined as a lack of interest or concern for things that most find moving and exciting. Apathy is an uncaring attitude. It's a totally disconnected, unaware attitude. In my opinion, apathy is worse than fear. Uh, apathy is worse than hate and insecurity. Why? Because at least with those emotions, you feel something. When you become apathetic about the things of God, you have complete indifference concerning the things that move God's heart. And I believe today that apathy is one of the greatest weapons that the enemy is bringing against this generation. Why? Because if the enemy can cause a generation to be indifferent, then he knows he can cause them to then be ineffective. But can I tell you today, as the man and woman of God, the leader that God has raised you up and placed you in this earth in this season to be, 
There is no time for us to be apathetic leaders. There is no time for us to be disconnected and indifferent leaders. Why? Because there are people going through a storm today that you made it through last week and they don't need indifference. They need encouragement. They need engagement. They need energy. They need someone to wake them up from their slumber. God, would you awaken your church from our apathy? We need to be awakened. Spiritual apathy is like the cancer, the spiritual cancer of this generation. So I want to give you guys three ways to fight spiritual apathy, and then we're going to get back to our third T. Number one, if you feel spiritually apathetic in your life, you need to sow and serve. You need to sow and serve. First Peter 4.10 says that each of you should use whatever gift you have received, and we all have gifts, You don't have to hold a microphone on a stage to have a gift. Every gift that you have received, use it to serve others. Watch this. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Listen, when you serve others, when you serve in the local church and you meet the needs of others, you're literally dispensing the grace of God across a broken world. Can I tell you this? Uh, What you may or may not realize is that whenever you serve, it's not just to help meet a need. No, the people who serve get more out of serving than those that they're serving. And anyone in this room that is on a serve team at this church, you know exactly what I'm saying. A couple years ago, I met, uh, oh, actually not even, no, a year and a half ago, a young man, I met a guy named Von D, Von Darius. He's here. He just got baptized the other week. Let me tell you, when I met Von D, uh, he was a brand new Christian, had just gotten saved. Pastor Matt Ackman introduced me to him. He'd just gotten saved. He was kind of quiet, reserved. Uh, but let me tell you something. He went through next steps. He joined the dream team with the exchange. He dove right into serving. Fast forward a, a, a months later, a year and a half later, he's been baptized. He's been on a missions trip. He's now leading and overseeing one of our top departments in the exchange in Bible college, about to get accredited with the Assemblies of God. What? And as awesome as that is for him, Do you know what that does for the people that have been serving alongside of them? It stirs up faith on the inside. It causes them to say, wow, if serving puts me next to people like you and it stirs up my faith, then maybe God can do in my life what he's done in your life. Listen, when you serve, God can do great things in your own life. The second thing you need to do is break some bread. You sow and serve and then you break some bread. I'm talking about godly community. The Bible says that in in Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. Why? Because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Can I just say this? That whenever you serve, that's why we offer next steps. That's why we always push our people to serve. Not because there's needs to be met. There are, but we know that you're going to benefit greatly from it. But whenever you join serve teams, what happens is you automatically get almost instantaneous community around you. You get godly community around you. And I tell people all the time that community, who you keep around you, is going to determine whether or not you walk in the fullness of what God created you for. I say it all the time. I I say there's three E's you have to have in your life. You have to have empathizers, enforcers, and encouragers. All right? The empathizers, they understand what you're in. Uh, The enforcers, they will quickly call you out on your sin. And the encouragers will be the ones that always push you to win. And I'm telling you today, church, that 
having a balance of conviction, grace, and encouragement is so key as you face the future. Why? Because in the same way that the right people will help you discover your destiny, the wrong people just might delay it. You got to sow and serve. Listen to me. You have to break some bread. And last but not least, you have to rest and reflect. You have to Sabbath. You have to pray. You have to take time in your schedule to just do nothing. Every Friday, if you ever call me or text me on a Friday, if your name ain't Candace Brewington or Pastor Jeff Abels, I ain't answering. <laughs> Friday is our Sabbath. We don't do anything. I may not even brush my teeth on Fridays. <laughs> TMI? Yes. But, but listen, what, but my schedule is so busy, if I don't reserve a specific day to rest and reflect on the things of God and who he is, I will find myself doing, being so busy doing the work of the Lord that I forget all about the Lord of the work. So I've made time in my schedule to love on my wife, to hang out with my wife, to play Fortnite with my son, and to, 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 to hang out with my daughter and watch silly YouTube videos. Why? Because Jesus gave us this model. God gave us this model. Look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 3. It says that God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You serve a God that doesn't get tired, but I believe he did this just to model out to us how important it is to rest. Amen. The third and final T that we got to toss is tough. I'm tired. The third one is this. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, the crazy thing about tomorrow, <laughs> the crazy thing about waiting until tomorrow is that once it finally comes, it's just another today that you then have the ability to put off to. You see, my wife, her grandfather, Grandpa Bud, passed away in the 90s. He was very, very sick, very, very, very sick. But he had a moment, man, where he just came back to life. I mean, he, he, he was just got a second wind. It was a healing, really, that we believe. And he had this period of time before he got sick again and went on to be with the Lord where he told his wife to go grab the phone book. Y'all remember the little phone book back in the day? We had everyone's phone numbers written in. Yeah. Grab the book, and he called all of these people. He wanted to call every person that he had ever offended in his lifetime. Relationships that were broken, bridges that had been burnt. He wanted to call. Some of the people that he wanted to call had already been dead for months or for, for years. Can I tell you that that man took advantage of his today? He honored and knew just how powerful that today was. But can I tell you today, my friends, that none of us are promised another today. None of us are promised a tomorrow. So it's important that we do what we have to do today. Listen to me. Your, your, your life is so valuable to God and, and, and you're important to humanity. You're filled with purpose. You're necessary to accomplish what God wants to do on the earth. You are a God dream wrapped in skin and bone placed on this earth at this season to do great exploits for the Lord. But it's important that you know that there are choices and decisions that you have to make right here and right now that will determine if you ever walk in the fullness of what God has laid out for you to walk in. Joshua said in chapter 24, verse 15, he says that if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves tomorrow, no, no, this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. This day, we will serve the Lord. Look, look at me, church. God isn't concerned about what you did yesterday. God isn't concerned about what you say you're going to do tomorrow. God's primary concern is what you do with today. The decisions that you make today. See, there's this land called tomorrow. It's a faraway island. And on the island of tomorrow lies your dreams, all your hopes, all your aspirations, your greatest potential. But until you pull those dreams into today, they are going to die on the shores of tomorrow. So choose wisely, my friend. 